Check out 5 to 10 with Mara, Monday through Friday, for questions and insight that the networks and well-known personalities miss. Enough said. Hey, what's up, everybody, and thank you for joining me. When the National Football League Players Association and owners agreed to a new collective bargaining agreement in 2011, things around the league changed. While the game remained the same, there were many financial differences, mainly how the profits from advertisements, etc., were going to be uh, allocated. But one other financial change occurred, the rookie wage scale. Before the CBA took place in 2011, rookie wages were somewhat ridiculous, according to vets, both and according to others also. Both 21 and 22-year-old players were getting record-setting contracts, contracts that not even some of the best veterans in the league were getting. Owners didn't like this but and vets, but they were forced to pay because their prized youthful players would just hold out until they did. And granted, really, that was just only a few. And I think they overblew it on that. But consider this. The then St. Louis Rams drafted quarterback Sam Bradford in 2010, and he signed a six-year, $76 million contract. Since then, he has accomplished very little. In 2012, the Indianapolis Colts drafted Andrew Luck with the first overall pick. Luck signed a four-year, $22 million contract. That's a difference of a little more than $7 million a year. And looking back on that, I say luck was shortchanged. So in order to make rookie wages a little more reasonable, owners and the Players Association created a rookie wage limit. In other words, each team gets a certain amount of money they can spend on signing their rookies and undrafted free agents. No more, no less. A lot of the time, this has resulted in young players getting the league minimum. Just look at third-round pick Russell Wilson's initial four-year, $2.99 million contract, while this 2016 batch of rookies will assuredly not come remotely close to some of the pre-2011 rookie contracts. Here are the 10 biggest rookie contracts in total, not annually, in history. Number 10 was Aaron Curry, the Seattle Seahawks, at $60 million. <clears throat> Now, Aaron Curry was a linebacker out of Wake Forest. He signed a six-year deal in 2009. Despite the impressively large contract, he never really panned out. He retired in 2012. He didn't even last the entire six years of his initial contract. As a whole, Curry was a complete bust. Jamarcus Russell. Uh, you remember him, don't you? $61 million. Jamarcus Russell was drafted out of LSU with a lot of hype, evidenced by the Raiders taking him with the first overall pick in the 2007 draft. But similarly to Curry, he accomplished nothing. And after three seasons in Oakland and $32 million later, he was cut. And he definitely was a bust. 
Jason Smith, the St. Louis Rams, 61 million. <clears throat> uh, let's see. And he had to leave the game due to a concussion and in other injuries. Number seven, Reggie Bush, 62 million. Now, Reggie definitely was not a bust, <clears throat> and he had a pretty, pretty good career. Gerald McCoy of the Tampa Bay Bucks, 63 million. And he was the third overall selection in 2010. Tampa Bay took Gerald McCoy, a defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Both Indomitian Sue and McCoy were selected within the top five that year, and both have since earned their big salaries. Number five, Calvin Johnson is 64 million. And just as McCoy panned out on this list, Johnson has done so also, and maybe even more so. Megatron, as he's nicknamed, has been one of the best wide receivers in the league since his first season, while recently calling a career with a total of 11,619 receiving yards and 83 touchdown receptions. And while not everyone agrees, I think Johnson has more than earned a place in the Pro Football Hall of Fame when he's when he's eligible. Number four, Indomitian Sue, Detroit Lions, at $68 million. Now, <clears throat> Sue, everybody knows he has definitely lived up to the contracts. His his main thing has been um, being, being seen as a dirty player. And, and uh, his, like his reputation for stomping um, on a player's head in a 2011 Thanksgiving Day game, um, in a Thanksgiving game, sorry. Uh, number three, Matt Ryan is $70 million. Uh, Matt was selected third overall in 2008 and received a $70 million, six-year $70 million deal. At the time, he, this was a record-setting contract. And definitely Matt has panned out as a starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. <clears throat> Number two, Matt Stafford at 72 million. Now Matt was drafted by the Lions in 2009. And the truth is he hasn't been a flop. Also, you know, when you think of the Lions, you think of flop, but he hasn't been a flop really. Although he played, only played in three games during the sophomore year campaign, Stafford hasn't missed a game since and has thrown over 4,200 yards in each of his last five seasons. And as far as him being a starting quarterback in the in this playing for the Lions, the Lions could have done a whole lot worse. And number one is Sam Bradford of St. Louis at 76 million. Now he was drafted in 2010 and signed the last big rookie deal of its kind. And not only did he become the highest paid rookie ever, but the the extremity of his contract likely had a strong effect on the collective bargaining agreement in a, a year later. However, Bradford hasn't lived up to the expectations set forth upon his arrival. Now, he tore his ACL twice, never had a winning season, and seems to believe he is above a little quarterback competition. His stint with the Rams never panned out, and it is only a matter of time before the same thing happens in Philadelphia. While he's not the same sort of bust that Jamarcus Russell was, he hasn't exactly been a franchise quarterback, and it's safe to say that he never will be. Five to ten, we'll be back in a moment. 
most of those guys were bust or because of injuries and didn't live up to expectations. And that's the reason for the current rookie pay scale. But let's be real, because all contracts are chances taken by the team. So to point at rookies is a poor excuse that comes back to bite the vets in the butt. So how did the players union, namely the vets, make a mistake in pushing for a rookie minimum? Well, at the time these rookies were getting the big salaries, it only propelled the wages of Pro Bowl veterans when it came time to negotiate. You see, a lot of the vets looked at rookie pay in the wrong light. <clears throat> they looked at it from a selfish perspective. They looked at it in the short term versus the long term. Also, the recent pay scale severely hurts any running back worth his weight in gold. What's the average shelf life of a running back? Hmm. Well, it's three to five years. And well, when a team signs a back out of college, it doesn't take much for them, be it backs, to be NFL ready. But they're hindered as far as pay because they're getting the rookie deal, which isn't much. And by the time they're eligible for a big payday, they're deemed over the hill or close to it. So instead of paying the big money in most cases, they cut that player and get another back in the draft for far less money and start the process all over again. So overall, the players lose out, and especially the running back, Love said. Thank you for listening, and be sure to check out the next episode and tell others about it. So until then, peace and God bless. In the name of Jesus.